in, where I live, there's a lot of people talking about we need more freedom in this country, and mm-hmm. it, and it's and it's often people, white folks, frankly, who are in the privileged majority, who are saying that their freedoms are under assault, and we need to reclaim our freedoms in this country. How would you compare that view of freedom with what King is talking about? I just wouldn't. Like, where's my eye roll emoji? Seriously. Uh, <laughs> I just why wouldn't. waste why waste the time and energy? <laughs> I know. All right, I think it's time to move. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 247 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Ogan Holder, Shannon Weston, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And whether you're a longtime listener or you're new to the show, you can get even more content, even more discussion, um, like today's pre-show in which we realize that I'm probably trying to kill my mother by uh, <laughs> sharing, sharing, sharing with her about my non-monogamy life. Yeah, that was a conversation. <laughs> so if you'd like to hear how that went, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash ptlive. We got plans uh, start at $7 a month. And while supplies last, you can get yourself a pint glass, a Pub Theology Life pint glass, um, as a show of gratitude for uh, signing up. As always, we thank our current patrons. So yes, get get some more. Get some more of us at patreon.com slash ptlive. Today, we'll be remembering the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. and exploring some of his ideas. So I will share just with you today that, um, yes, Monday is our normal recycling day. And we were away for the weekend. And we were away, you guys, for the weekend. Like, I know. Huzzah. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) as, you know, a minister of 20 years, that is an amazing thing to say. Um, (laughs) Derek went to go put out the recycling. And he was like, I guess... They came yesterday and I, he goes, that feels really strange to me. I thought it was a federal holiday. And I said, yeah, it's like Martin Luther King and garbage workers are somehow connected in our brains, you know. That- right. <laughs> so we're going right. to be discussing some of that. Um, let's share what we're drinking in order to do that. Ogan, what are you drinking today? Um, I was I was feeling I was feeling like it was a good whiskey day. So I got me some uh, nice. Johnny Walker double black. Double mm. black. How is that? Like me, man. Double black. Just Smooth and oh. sexy. Exactly. See, Shannon, <laughs> Shannon knows how to go with this. Yes. <laughs> there you it go. Is, it is. It is a nice. It is a nice blend. I'm not usually a big whiskey blend person, but but these they know what they're doing. I look. Brian, what are you not drinking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what am I not drinking? So as I mentioned last week, I'm going with the Free Wave by Athletic Brewing. It is a hazy. IPA, which contains less than 0.5% alcohol, and it really is pretty flavorful for an NA beer. Like it, the hoppiness is is nice. I mean, oh, nice. In, in a in a in a beer is. I mean, the alcohol isn't 
provide the flavor. So I would like to, I mean, the, the non-alcoholic beers that I've had actually taste the same spectrum of alcoholic beers. Sometimes you get some shitty alcoholic beers and sometimes you get some really good alcoholic beers. I think the same applies. Yeah, it, alcohol it a, doesn't carry the flavor. It is a good question what the alcohol does to the flavor because I, I do think, at least it's my understanding, that it is harder for non-alcoholic beers to capture a lot of the flavor in their offerings. So they, I think it does have some impact, but this one does a pretty good job. I mean, I think it's like, marinating anything the longer you do it the more it absorbs into you know the product but or anyway or, or does the alcohol just mess with our brain cells enough that and make it taste delicious make you, you think know? it's delicious <laughs> just saying <laughs> shannon what do you think we'll have a brewery expert on and know <laughs> so i'm i'm drinking something i've never had before at all this is called winter welcomes ale by sam smith's brewing the old brewery. Yes. So um this is uh uh something they're brewing they brewed for the 70th uh Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Um, but it's called Winter Welcome Ale. This seasonal beer is a limited edition brewed for the short days and long nights of winter. The full body resulting from fermentation in stone Yorkshire squares. And the luxurious malt character, which will appeal to the broad range of drinkers, is balanced against the whole dried fungal and golding hops with the nuances and complexities that should be contemplated before an open fire. Ooh. Okay, then. Cheers to that. Cheers. You know, I like Cheers me some that. complicated explanations on a beer. Seriously. That's Seriously. how I buy them, you know. It's well done. Well done. They do a, they do a really good oatmeal stout. I love it. Yeah, this this might right. be a little sick for me, but I'm hoping. Yeah. Where is like Sam it. Smith brewed? That's a great oh. question. I have no idea. Uh, hold on. Let's check, let's check the bottle. <laughs> I can't look check. at the bottle right now. Yeah, no. Let's make sure check, you check, get check it all the bottle. In the glass. <laughs> um, hold on. Let's find it. <laughs> the oldest brewery in Yorkshire. <laughs> so maybe it's brewed in Yorkshire. <laughs> oh nope, Tacoma, Washington. I think they started over in no wait okay so here's what's confusing produced by sam smith tadcaster uk oh yeah it's a okay and then the u.s imported by merchant duvin corporation in tacoma washington i okay so it's a it's a british beer Got yeah it. it's a british beer thus yeah. the jubileeness but it's yeah, lighter yeah, I than i say. thought it it's actually it looks dark on my thing but it's lighter than i thought it was going to be i like the whole produced by it feels like a like a film project i'm like what do you what? right we, produ we produce right. this now? is how light it is this room oh wow. this is how light it is yeah <laughs> great video day guys as she shines her flashlight <laughs> nice. shines her phone's through flashlight the through the through the bear um but yes yeah. if you get the chance do check out their oatmeal stout i'm not a big stout drinker but i will get done with the sam smith oatmeal Oh, that's good. It is. It is very wintry. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was afraid it was going to be more porter like, but it's it's lighter. So I'm it's a little lighter. Very yeah. good. Very good. On to today's topics. Well, speaking of phones, uh, before making a phone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say 
and what determines if you're going to make that call versus an email or a text? Well, I mean, it depends on the conversation, right? So yeah, some conversations, especially if it's a it's a difficult call that I have to make and I want to stay like on point. Stay on message. On message. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that the person on the other side of the phone is going to try and talk me out of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So I, you know, I got to rehearse the talking points and. And, and if emotion's going to be triggered at all, then yes. you need to. Yeah, exactly. 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 Cause I might be, I might be swayed by their emotions. So I'm like, got a, got a, got a standpoint. No, I was um, thinking of so, your own emotions, but yes. well, that, 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 that too. Uh, so like, um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of old fashioned, old school. Um, if I'm going to end a relationship with someone, I will call, not send a text or an email. I think that's a bit of or a leave coward. a note under the windshield. Cowardly. There you go. Coward, cowardly way out. So I will, I will call burger you know. from sex in the city and leave a post-it note. <laughs> there you go. There well, you go. I can't do this. Now, now, to be honest, if I if I work up the courage to call and I get a voicemail, I'm gonna leave a voicemail. <laughs> exactly. Yay. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh my god, such a relief. Do I get for me in my brain? I'm still getting the points for calling, right? Yeah. Even though, oh, for sure. Now, but, what are the chances they check that voicemail? Well, they didn't call me back after, so I'm gonna okay. say that they checked it. They did. <laughs> then they checked it. They checked, <laughs> they got they got the message. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Uh, so yes, it also depends on who. There's there are some people in my life we need we're gonna talk. You know, like you know the closest people in my world. Like, um, I want to talk to you. I'm not gonna settle for, you know, a text. Um, if it's a more work oriented thing, definitely email. Um, so I'll just skip over the. Oh, sorry. Um like pick up the phone, call my best friend, call my sister, right? Like that's not what we're talking about. So I definitely rehearse. Like I go through in my mind what I'm yeah. going to say, like without question, yes. like, okay, I want to like, make sure I have what I, what I want to say and the phrasing that I want to say it and the tone I want to say it in. Um, I almost always will text first and say hey do you have a minute um every once in a while there was a call that I really didn't want to make and I would just call and pray for the voicemail um but not uh, <laughs> you know sometimes I'll send an email if a previous phone call hasn't gone well like mm. then I'll then I'll write it down and slow the process down to say like let me be very clear um yeah. Or if I'm dealing with like, you know, my ex-husband where I assume that someday this will be read in court. So it needs to be written down. Nice. <laughs> paper trail. Gotta, gotta exactly. have that paper trail. You're right. Wow. Yeah. So mm. I was, you know, I was super shy uh, as a kid and even teenager and like talking on the phone just raised my anxiety like really high. So I, I hated talking on the phone and definitely would rehearse um, rehearse what I was going to say and try to avoid the phone call if I didn't have to do it. Um, 
And yeah, even yesterday there was a work call that I could have made and I opted to text first. <laughs> I was just about to ask, given you create these questions, what happened this week <laughs> that prompted this one? Tell us that story. Yeah, just, just about to say it. And I did not hear back. So probably after the show, I will be making that phone call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's always, that's always the fascinating part. Um, with with unreturned or unresponded to texts, emails, phone calls, you know, I I I tend to just drive myself a little bit crazy. Yeah, you read into you it. Know. Yeah, yes. absolutely. You know, absolutely. and and I've I really had to practice telling myself, okay, you don't get, you don't read the email the person the instant the person sends it. Uh, some texts you are also not in a position to read right away. Um, so assume the same for them. Maybe they haven't seen it. And, you know, it's probably a good thing that they're taking their time to respond as opposed to just reacting. You know, I, I, I keep trying whenever I get text emails or even voice messages that are, you know, uh, triggering in some way or, or just move me to like anger or something like that. I keep trying to tell myself, wait a day to respond. Wait yeah. a day to respond. I don't always do that because sometimes, and it never goes as well when I go like, what the hell? And I just dive in. I right. Just breathe, take a day, sleep on mm-hmm. it sort of deal. And I always hate when I don't take my own advice and make, and, and inadvertently I make matters worse because it's not, not well, clear. And, and the same the other way. If somebody calls and leaves me a voicemail and they just asked me a question or it was my day off and this can wait, mm-hmm. you know, then a text back is fine, right? Like, you know, yeah, I'm confirm, you know, like, hey, I was just calling to confirm our times and our meetings, blah, blah, blah. Like, I won't necessarily call them back. I'll just be like, yep, I'm all good. It's on my calendar. You know, so the end. I re- I remember, I remember that whenever I was starting to work at a church, I had, a, I always had to go through the process of teaching people my communication style. Exactly. <laughs> right. right? Yep. Which is, which is like an email is not a text. I know right. I have a smartphone, but an email is not a text. I'm not going to respond right away. Um, and so I, so you, you, the, the process went like this and I knew they were, they were picking up on it when like coming out in the receiving line, they'd be all like, why didn't you respond to my email? And then it became, Hey, did you get my email? And then it became just letting you know, I sent you an email. (laughs) So look for it. And then it became, it became, um, what did it become after that? It became, oh, yeah, it became, it became that sermon uh, could have been an email. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I've, uh, I've had a couple of responses like that, man. <laughs> if I could give emails instead of sermons, I would still be in the church. <laughs> I could right? be like, <laughs> oh my God. Then hey, it, oh yeah. Then it became, hey guys, uh, here's this yeah. week's sermon. See you next week. <laughs> it became, I know you have like a two, three day turnaround for email. So, you know, whenever you get to it, we'll be, we'll be. Yeah. We'll be so fine. people caught on. They caught on, they caught on eventually. And, but it took some prompting for me to say like, yes, I know, you know, I have a smartphone, but. Um, but did they pay for it? <laughs> I, that was my, that was actually my negotiation tactic. I said, uh, if, if you want to pay for my phone. And you want me during these, during office hours to respond 
during that time, mm -hmm. you can pay for my phone. No, like, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna even put myself in my, that. My position. church only pays for one of my phones. How do I get <laughs> pay for? That? But then I was like, if you want, if if not, it's totally fine. But I'm not gonna put church email on my phone, and I will respond generally right. within 24 hours. Yeah, and you they gotta, said, you gotta teach people. They said we'll pay for your phone. I said great, let's do it. Gotcha. See, I because my mistake. phone, my plan. They just paid me the money. Anyway. Right, right, right. I have the mistake of all my emails show up in the same inbox, and I have like five different emails, but I check them all in the same place. So I don't have a way to like, even if I'm not doing church stuff, but I need to check my email, I see the church emails. There are ways around that, Brian. I was gonna say you could set Easily. that up so that the work emails <laughs> during post show <laughs> become a patron and you can watch Ogan and Shannon teach Brian how to use his smartphone. How last week, last email. week we showed him how to use use his Mac. <laughs> use his Mac. Now we can show him how to use his smartphone. Wow. Oh they they are ways. And you know, there's Google. Seriously, if there's anything you wish you want to have set up in your life, Google it, man. We love you, Brian. We love you so much. Oh, this podcast could have been an email. <laughs> so let's move on before it's show begins. title. <laughs> show title. <laughs> All right. So um it is uh yesterday was the day we remembered Dr. Martin Luther King. And um obviously that should be not just a one-day thing. So we're continuing it this week. And um I don't know if I had read this before, um, I, but I did read it in preparing for my uh, message uh, Sunday. And this was a speech uh, King gave in Memphis several weeks before his assassination. So in the context of the Memphis sanitation worker strike and supporting um, workers and, and all of that, he said, if America does not use her vast resources of wealth to end poverty and make it possible for all of God's children to have the basic necessities of life, she too will go to hell. Woo. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I liked he reading sure did. that. I liked reading that. And I thought that is incredibly bold for any preacher, let alone a black preacher, let alone a black preacher in the 1960s to use that kind of language about our country. And yep. I, I don't know, maybe you guys are familiar with this uh, line or or this line. I know he said some very direct things, but this line I hadn't seen before. How does it strike you? Well, um, okay, I won't jump ahead because you got some follow-up questions, some other follow-up questions there that, um, but I will jump ahead. It says, how would it go over if a preacher talk like this today? Um, it still won't go over well. <laughs> we had a we have a very public instance of it. Exactly well. with Reverend Jeremiah Wright and yep. and and Obama, who had to then distance mm -hmm. himself right for for political convenience. So yeah, still still doesn't go over well. Um, Reverend William Barber, who's who runs the Poor People's Campaign, you know, yep. um, yeah, still 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 doesn't go over well because whenever anyone especially preachers, because, you know, America equals God. Uh, preachers call out America for not living up to its promises and therefore um, 
in essence, saying to the people who mean who who like to believe America equals God, therefore America is disobeying God or not honoring God, that does not go over well in any stretch of the imagination. So so yeah, indeed bold, but especially at a time when people were still being lynched um yeah. for being that bold. And arguably he was, right? He was he yeah. was murdered. He died it, a few know, weeks later after saying that, right. that kind of rhetoric, um, that kind of rhetoric um, helped helped inflame as he as he was emboldening and equipping equipping folks. Um, yeah, led 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 to the necessity to to take him out of the picture. And the sad thing is, he wasn't wrong, and still no, wouldn't no. be wrong to use this kind of language today. Right. Well, and it's what's interesting to me just following this thread for a minute is the people that would disagree with this quote will also be the people that are yelling and screaming that America's gone to hell and we need to get back to, you know, <laughs> these values. And like there's, you know, they're just, what they're disagreeing about is the fact that, you know, we're gonna, we're going to hell because of wealth and it, not correctly using um, our wealth and not doing it in a way that is is in aligned with the gospel that they supposedly believe in. Like that's what's so interesting yeah, to me. They is, would actually say if America did use their wealth to end poverty and help people have their basic necessities, that's America going to hell in their minds. Like right. they have it totally backwards. Cause it's it's because capitalism is the God. Right. Right. Exactly. But not even true exactly. capitalism. Like true capitalism in its form doesn't create the kind of wealth that we have. I mean, the kind of wealth that exists in this country is just pure. And not just the kind of wealth, but the kind of wealth inequalities. That's yes, that's right. the, that's, that's the big thing. And this is why this is why I've always had a problem with when they made it Martin Luther King Jr. Day of Service. Yeah. Because it really it really shifted the narrative away from truly what he stood for. And it wasn't that he stood against service, but volunteering while important is not creating equity. It's not volunteering creating... does not equal activism. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't change exactly. the unjust system. Exactly. Structures. Exactly. But, yeah. but that's, that's, that's what it's becoming now. So now, now we have this, this national day of service attached to his name. And, and, and now we have this image that, that this is what he was about. And but I'll, I'll also say, <laughs> excuse me. I'll also say that if it was truly like, even if I agree with all of that, that that is not Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King, like that, that they were about so much, they were about breaking down the systems of injustice, right. right? That does not equal service. However, I will also say that if we truly made this a day of service, it like, we're not even there. We call right. it that, but <laughs> right. we don't even do that. Right. Like our yeah. kids aren't in school that day, not doing schoolwork, but going out and doing acts of service and blah, blah, blah. Like our companies aren't shutting down for the day to do acts of service. We're just taking the day off. Right. You know, and and if an individual family or an individual person wants to do something of service, they choose to, 
but that is very different to me. Do you know, like, we're not even going that far. We're just, we're even patting ourselves on the back for something we're not even doing. So I get really angry about all of that. (laughs) Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So he did talk this way and he was bold and he did call for radical transformation of society, frankly, uh, based on his faith and his view of, of, you know, what Jesus called us to live in an equitable, just society. Um, and he also said, so in the midst of outer dangers, because no doubt he had threats um, for years, uh, I have felt an inner calm and known resources of strength that only God could give. In many instances, I have felt the power of God transforming the fatigue of despair into the buoyancy of hope. So I guess the question for us is, you know, what role did his his faith, personal faith play in his life uh, and maybe even in the civil rights movement in general, right? There was a lot of um, religious energy and motivation, I think, in the civil rights movement as a whole. And what, and do we, is that still true today or have those things become divorced and is that good or bad? So it's interesting. We, we kind of skipped a question about the previous quote um, about, did this kind of talk help lead to his death? And I think that that is obvious, right? He yeah, in a we, world, we, I think it, I think we touched on it a little bit. Did we touch we on it? Briefly, yeah. we touched on it. Yeah. Well, I, okay, then I didn't get to speak to it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> then speak on. Go ahead. Speak on. No, 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 because I actually think it ties really well into the hope, which is you don't you don't talk that way in the time and space in which he was talking that way, and not. I mean, you would really have to be. Mitt Romney thinking he was winning the election against Obama that second time around, right? Like you would really have to be that kind of level of delusion to think that this isn't going to threaten your life to talk this way. So, and that's a bad analogy because it's even so much more than that. But there's, there's this level. I think that the second quote actually speaks to not just the reason that he would use such provocative language in the first quote, um, about going about America going to hell, but there is a level of if if I can go any day now, so I have to leave it all out on the table every time I go out there. Yeah, and that that actually is the second quote of the power of God transforming that fatigue of despair into the buoyancy of hope. That's I think. This quote is written on one of the, if you go to the MLK monument, like uh, memorial, this is written, this one is written on one of the stones. Um, I think that those two questions play into each other of that he knew he was going to die and he knew he was going to die by assassination. And what kept him going was this right here. This trust in God and sense of the rightness of, of his path and. And that every moment he had to speak, he had to give it all mm. or because yeah. there, because tomorrow wasn't promised. I mean, really for him, tomorrow wasn't promised, you know? Yeah. And, and in terms of, in terms of the, do you ask about the role of the spiritual life, the religious life, religion? I mean, you know, as a, as a Christian minister, the, who looks to the Bible, the Bible is replete with stories of liberation. 
right. you know, from yeah. the from the earliest days of the Hebrew people all the way all the way through um, yeah. to I mean the whole and, friggin' book of Revelation was you know a, a and metaphor the movement of liberation. Being- and the movement being so much bigger than Moses, right? The movement right. being bigger than Jesus, even, right? The yes. movement being bigger than the man. Right, right. Even though we tend to, in our human desire for worship, make it about the person um, mm-hmm. as as well. And, and that's how often, you know, that's why cults are still a thing. I still maintain I'd be a good cult leader if I wanted to. Um, that's why that's why cults are a thing. Um because because we make it about the person and and then we also make it and the downside of that is then 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 we say only that person could have done that right as opposed to feeling empowered by them and to be clear many people felt empowered and continued his work and built on his work um we we wouldn't be enjoying uh the liberties that 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 many do with without that the continuation of of that work mm-hmm. um so, By the way, if you yeah. want to be an early supporter of Ogan's Cult, just go to patreon.com slash Ogan's Cult. <laughs> let, me go, let me go set that up right hey, quick. Go I was going to say, no, no, no. It's still PT Live right now. Oh, <laughs> that's, you know. that's right. Ogan.com slash PD Live. There you go. Just leaving the memo. This is for the cult. This is for the cult. Just leave us a note. Although you do have to do it at like the $5,000 a month level. We're just. No, 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 no. All are welcome. I will take. You know, you don't get to be a member of the cult at $2 a month. Come on. That's. No, 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 no. At $2 a month. At $2 a month, you don't get as much access as the $200,000 a month. This Patreon, we got levels. (laughs) We got levels. Oh, my God. You too can help. (laughs) Never mind. I'm not going to finish that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Oh, my goodness. All right. Well. He, uh, King also said, we know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. So I hear that in, in where I live, there's a lot of people talking about, we need more freedom in this country. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's and it's often people, white folks, frankly, who are in the privileged majority, who are saying that their freedoms are under assault and we need to reclaim our freedoms in this country. How would you compare that view of freedom with what King is talking about? I just wouldn't. Like, where's my eye roll emoji? Seriously. <laughs> I just why wouldn't. waste why waste the time and energy? <laughs> but but I'm, isn't I'm, that I'm, right I'm though? Sure. Like you hear that like or at least of course no of course there but there but like you know this is the uh princess bride like you're using that word and i do not <laughs> think it think means you what know. you think it means. <laughs> exactly <laughs> <sighs> so so so, just, so here's the thing though the the thing about that about the the freedoms being assaulted by those who are in you know who never had their freedoms removed in the first place. Right. It's that, again, it's that idea of zero-sum game, right? I have these freedoms and privileges. In order for someone else to have them, that means my something something I have must be taken away, right? Um, right. They, see the, they see the change in landscape of demographics knowing that they, white folk, will be a demographic minority before too long. Hallelujah. And and the thinking is, oh, we remembered how we treated folks 
and continue to treat folks who are who are minorities. Are in the now, minority. when we become the minority, this is what's going to happen to us, right? So, so there's this made-up fear that they're legitimizing, and and they're not listening to those of us in the who are minorities who are saying we ain't got the time and energy to come for y'all. That's that's not what we're about. We yeah. we just want what's been owed to us. And we are gonna be happy. We don't. We don't need to make you all suffer. Y'all are y'all are making y'all selves suffer, running around with this idea in your head that someone's gonna be coming to get you, that you are fretting every day about 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 uh, freedoms being taken, when what you're saying is, oh look, other groups of people are now able to enjoy freedoms that differ from ours. So I always say to folk, like you know. We had this when the same-sex marriage thing came up. We had this with everything. Yes, because um, folks of the same gender or folks can marry anyone of any gender that they like doesn't mean you have to, right? Uh, because folks can legally, women can, and 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 women, and uh, Kelly's been working with me on this. Women and individuals who can get pregnant can have an abortion doesn't mean you have to. Right. So, so because they have access because they have access right. doesn't mean they're going to either. So, mm-hmm. so, right. so, so granting freedoms to granting certain freedoms that were once restricted does not mean you are losing yours. There's this, yeah. There's this insidious false but, equivalency. Yeah. It's not a zero sum game, as you said. So dangerous. So there's, there's a, uh, there's an interesting part of this, which is, wanting control over something that you never had to you never had control of to begin with right and so when when brian the kind when the people in our country today that said you're taking away my liberties you're taking away my freedoms you're talking about things that you never had control of to begin with like you you really never could control who moved into your neighborhood until you passed laws and said, these people can't move into my neighborhood. And now that's illegal and has been for a very long time, but you you know, created this atmosphere and this environment. And yet you don't really get control over that. You don't, I don't get control over who buys the house next door. Like not unless I own the house and I'm the one selling it. So some of that is a false understanding of privilege and what, what is mine to control and what isn't. On the other hand, we're talking about ver- what 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 King is naming are very real things that other people have control over, right? Which is like, and why would they ever give up control over where you get to sit and what fountain you get to drink out of and what you get to do until, right? You become in a, you get to a place where it's no longer in your advantage. And so that whether that's a sh- public shaming process, whether that's a, we were talking about this with, um, this was a discussion about the NFL, about um, when we were talking about that, about the, the um, like, look at how long it took the Washington football team <laughs> that are now the commanders to change their name from their yeah. former name. And that it took a public shaming process, right? Yep. Advertisers pulling their money. Same with the know. Cleveland baseball team. 
same with the Cleveland. So like, this is one of those things where there are, there are levels of freedom in which people hold power that they need to let go of. And there's a process in which has to be taken, which is a demanding by the, the, those who are being oppressed. And then there's a process where there's a false dichotomy of power. And so you're saying you're taking away my freedom. No, nobody's touching anything that you, that you didn't already have control over to Ogan's point, right? Any, any body that can have a child, you have control over whether or not you have an abortion. What they're trying to control is whether or not you have access. That's, those are two very different things. Yes. And trying to have control period where they, it isn't warranted. It isn't warranted. It really can't make me wear a mask. Well, for example, we have a. I can't, body, but you can get out of my store. My body, my choice. Can't During this wear a mask. Recent election <laughs> cycle, a local county here, um, uh, there was a wave of cons- hyper conservatives that took over the county commission, and one of the first acts they did was change the county slogan from "Where you belong" to "Where freedom rings," because they yeah, had felt says- oppressed. That says by <laughs> being told they had to wear masks and, you know, name the thing, you know, and, well, and, and in, it's a 90% Missouri, white county where they felt their freedoms were under threat. Like, give me a freaking break. I know. Right, I think it's time to move. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just might be. Um, and so, and also um, in Missouri, and if you guys saw this, um, was it the uh, Republic Republicans in in Missouri? Sorry, I'm going to pull up right now and make sure uh, they passed a law banning women legislators from exposing their arms in chambers. They must oh, cover was, their skin the with thing. a second layer, like a what? blazer or a sweater. Yeah, don't this you is remember when the house, thing. the House and Congress passed this law? Oh my gosh! They did. Don't when you did remember that? that? I don't remember ago? that. This is I awful. do not because they were there were we all posted all these women's rights to bear arms uh, memes and oh um, my gosh, all this the clergy is... women like we all put on our collars that were whatever. Uh, I love our... it. Why do I not remember this? This was a year or two ago. Really? Um. Yeah, you had to wear a sweater. You were not allowed to have sleeveless. Um, wasn't this longer? Because I can't Gilead? imagine this is being this is being passed under. It was Democratic during the Trump leadership. era. It was during the Trump era. For sure. oh, okay, so then okay. It's, um, uh, yeah, he a couple years he, ago, a little bit further further back. Yeah, he banned it in the White House, and then Congress took action on it too, oh or something. God. So um, yeah, we got we got. It's hard to remember all the idiocy that. Uh, I mean, but, that's the thing. It got lost <laughs> in the stupid. But the other the other thing that that. The, that is often misinterpreted in that quote, and we kind of touched on this. Um, freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Most people extrapolate that demand to take. Mm-hmm. It must be taken by the oppressed. So then there's always this rhetoric of, of uh, um, impending violence towards right. us, right? right? But but that's not what he was saying at all. He didn't, he didn't say it, and you just have to look at his life to yeah. to know that he structured everything around around the himsa, the do no harm, the nonviolent action. Um, but, well, and the economic hit, right? I mean, this right. is why he was in Memphis because of the sanitation workers who refused to pick up the garbage. Exactly. Like the economic impact of these things, because America, like America's God, is money yeah. and capitalism. So that's where you gotta do it. The market doesn't run on Duncan; it runs on dollar. Ooh. Sure does. Oh, trademark. <laughs> write it down 
<laughs> so King also said this that I thought was really interesting. He said, the function of education is to teach one to think intensively and to think critically. Intelligence plus character, that is the goal of true education. So wondering, you know, do we emphasize that in education uh, today in this country, critical thinking and character? Uh, so that's one thing in education. And do do we have space for, let alone emphasize those things in in the church or in faith communities? Well, I'll say I'll say this about Republicans: they they know how to hijack a thing. So now we can't talk about critically educating our children because critical thinking is now critical race theory, regardless <laughs> of 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 what's being taught right so have they conflated that critical thinking with critical race theory? Oh, absolutely they started coming for they started coming for oh my god i was just about to say uh there's a there's a there's a an education technique that has been part standard part of education for not i, I won't exaggerate and say centuries but for a long time and yeah. and the basis was around this emotional intelligence critical thinking all those things and and all of a sudden um uh, this was happening in, in Maryland, especially, or rather I read about it when I was living in Maryland, the teachers are having like parent teacher conferences and are very confused because parents are now coming and saying, and how does this relate to critical race? And they're like, but, but it, it doesn't, this has nothing like, what are we talking about here? Right. right. But it was simply the process by which we teach our children how to, how to think critically as in be able to like, you know, look objectively look at stuff and criticize right. and, and yeah. digest evaluate. and break down. Evaluate. Exactly. Like, exactly. But why so do you think King said that? What do you think right. was going on that he exactly. might have lifted exactly. up education in this so, way? So so <laughs> right. All that all that got got hijacked. You know, and and I I mean we all I'm sure we all have teachers and or librarians in our lives who are either quitting by the droves who are deathly afraid to say anything, depending on what state they live in, um, and and are just horribly unsure of of what they can say and not say, and and parents getting parents just getting crazy because you know, and again, not the I I, I hate to objectively give evil genius any credit, but that was an evil genius move. Right. To say, let's let's get our parents worked up over a manufactured problem. And therefore, we know that we can't piss off the parent voting block. Well, there was a cost us. Yeah. Was it Texas or Louisiana? I think we we might have brought this up when the article came out a couple of months ago where they were trying to make put a camera in every classroom that was like on an open YouTube channel. Yeah. This was a horrible idea for so many reasons. So many reasons. Wow. And so not just parents, but like anybody could watch could, what could was watch. being taught in any classroom at any time. Yes. yes. And I was like, this is <laughs> the most insane thing I've ever heard. Yeah. But, but, you know, right. Like if, if you just in our pre-show, we were discussing the, like to break out of the mold of what has always been in your mind. Right. Right. Wasn't always like if you're educated, you understand that, you know, this wasn't always, but has been for your whole life and for your parents' whole life and your grandparents' whole life kind of thing. 
Um, it's really hard to break out of that, but the way you do it is through education, through critical thinking, through self, you know, discovery. Um, and this is what he's lifting up as saying, if we, if we were all, there's a reason why they didn't educate slaves to read and write because it made them more powerful. Right. Yeah. This is, this was those no who doubt. were enslaved, you know, no this is part of this conversation. Yeah. That, that's well said. That's well said. Yeah. Once people realize um, what's available to them or should be, uh, they're going to try to claim it. And it's to our advantage that they just don't know. And 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 back to that evil genius move, it's because what, what we realize about our up and coming youth, right? Or, or generally, even, I mean, looking at Gen Z, generally, uh, um, Gen Z adults, and this was sort of proven in the in the midterms. Even you know they they came out more than they usually do. It wasn't like this right. like massive like every Gen Z rolled out and voted. Um, frankly, most of them generally still don't care, but a lot more did. A lot more did because because the rights that were afforded to them that they took for granted were taken away we're in their lifetime, away. and they were like, oh hell no, right? So right. so so the evil genius move was we have to curtail this at the youngest levels, the youngest ages. And we do this through the parents. So mm -hmm. therefore we got to make, you know, critical thinking, the ability to evaluate, the ability to be empathetic, the ability to realize that different isn't wrong. Different's just different. And the variety is yeah. good. We got to cut that shit out at the earliest levels. And if we can do that, then we are controlling the upstream. Yeah. So again, but, evil genius move. And Brian, to your to that last part of it, I even in the most progressive churches, I'm not sure that there's enough room for. Now there's 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 enough room for critical thinking. There's also like chaos, you know, that yeah. happens in churches where you know there there really isn't a foundation. I mean part of what happens in education with critical thinking is that there's a fact and we're all working around that. Um, I'll never forget like when we all were at wild goose years ago and we were about to start our podcast and we said something about faith and somebody yelled like, what is faith? And I was like, no, 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 we're not going to, no, that's just, mm -mm. we're going to start here. <laughs> like we're not going to get distracted way over here. It's yeah, not yeah. because that isn't a valid discussion necessarily in a different circle, but this is what we're doing right now. Right. And so that's the kind of thing that I think does happen in churches where a conversation gets hijacked and goes way over here, but I'm not sure we do enough of, let's look at that. What do you think about that? You know, what's going on here? Why do you think this was written? Um, I mean, those were things I would bring up in sermons, but I'm not sure that was done at a round table necessarily enough. Yeah. Um, and I, I think hopefully, I think it's happening more and more in, mm -hmm. you know, in churches like ours, I, I guess I'll say um, more open-minded um, progressive settings where there isn't this sort of, uh, we're not ruled by fear or by everyone has to believe the same doctrinal foundation to be here sort of thing. It's like, oh, we can ask questions about this. We can look at it from every direction and explore and wonder. And, you know, and I think many people didn't have that experience growing up in churches. Questions weren't welcomed. You certainly, or at least, you know, certain questions weren't welcomed. Um, and so you kind of had to stay within a certain guardrails or confines. Um, 
and I think that's changing. I think that's a good thing, but it can lead to chaos, as you noted. <laughs> well, yeah. it can also lead to a lot of discomfort, which people aren't crazy fans of. No doubt. And people don't want to come to church to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say is, if they say, well, no, you've actually never attended a sermon by Jesus. Have you ever read a sermon by Jesus? <laughs> like there was well, there was a lot of there was a lot of uncomfortable making anytime no he opened his mouth. No I mean, he was at home with his friends and family who grew grew up with, and they tried to run him off a cliff. Yes. Like they were like, hey, isn't this Mary and Joseph's son? You're out of yeah. here. Like exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly. People and and connected to the, you know, long live capitalism connected to the bottom line of we got to we got to keep the church coffers at least halfway full we can't make people too uncomfortable because they will run and find a place that doesn't make them uncomfortable i think a church that a church that is able to do this understands the difference between conflict and disagreement yes and is able to lean into disagree we can disagree Right. Like, this is what I think this is. I mean, I think all of this is wrapped around uh, the idea of being able to say, I don't I don't know about what you just said. You know, I'm 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 not sure that, you know, we don't we don't I don't think we don't teach enough that disagreement like you just phrased it, that discomfort, as I just phrased it, is part of the process. It is part of spiritual evolution. It is part of spiritual growth. If you're not, if you're not uncomfortable and you're not disagreeing, then you're not, you're not growing. Yeah. And and we don't, we don't, we don't preface that enough, you know. And and we conflate it so much with conflict. And then say, well, now we're a church in conflict and we don't want to be in conflict. We want to be nice and we want to be. And I'm like, those are those are actually two very different things, right? Like they're just because oh, we disagree doesn't mean we're in conflict. For sure. And and I think the fact that a lot of um, churches have pub theology type groups uh, shows that they're trying to make space for this exploration and these conversations in a space where anything could be on the table. And I think that's a good or, thing. Or, or is it just paying a little bit of lip service? Because well, no, that's it's good, okay. Yeah. It, it's okay to, you know, let's let's create a little space where people can have these conversations sure. and have a good time. But then if it leads to we got to make some wholesale big ass changes in here, then is there still that same level of openness, especially if it comes from, you know, a group, yeah. a group like that, you know, good question uh, I, that you it's probably unique to every so, setting, but it, you're certainly right that it could be an easy way to say, hey, look, we allow questions, but keep them over there. Yeah, right. yeah. We allow questions, keep them over there, and we're not going to make any big changes. (laughs) Or every time you have it, like, we welcome questions, we have a question, but I'm going to have an answer to every single one of them. Yes. Right. Right. I am able to answer everything. There's there's that too. There's that too. There's that too. All right. So our last quote here from King was in an interview with NBC in 1967, and this is some years after his Uh, famous I have a dream speech. And he said, I must confess that the dream that I had that day has in many points turned into a nightmare. Now I'm not one to lose hope. I keep on hoping. I still have faith in the future, but I've had to analyze many things over the last few years. And I would say over the last few months, I've gone through a lot of soul searching and agonizing moments. And I've come to see that we have many more difficulties ahead. And some of the old optimism was a little superficial 
and now it must be tempered with a solid realism. And I think the realistic fact is that we still have a long, long way to go. I, I feel like I can feel the weight even yeah. just reading this. What's what's the sad part is he said this in 1967. Uh, we can say this in 2027 and it's still freaking. I'm sorry, up. what year is it? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm still in 23. Still it, we can still say it today. I was going, I was going for the seven. I'm not saying it's 2027 now. I'm yeah. saying okay. when, when we get anyway. there, we'll still be saying you're it. predicting and you won't be wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is again. I mean, um, this, this is why we'll have a good cult. I am. I am fortune teller now. Problem, this was problem. part of this shift that I think was an important one as I look at history of Malcolm X and King really kind of finding their middle ground. Hmm. Right. And and I don't mean that as in neither one of them. Both of them moved to the middle. What I mean is in that. And although they did a little bit, is it they decided to stop being enemies and they just started to start learn from one another. Part of that was Malcolm X's trip to Mecca and, mm -hmm. you know, his spiritual experience there. And part of it was King living in this reality and saying, Oh, you know what? Malcolm X was, was right on a lot of these points. We need to do more. Um, but I, I, I also always note he was 26 when he took over the civil rights movement. And there's just an optimism that comes with 26. No doubt. That doesn't come. I mean, that's true. That doesn't come. Now he didn't get to be that old, but you know, I I think that's real. And the day-to-day -day and the how far that needle moves and and going back to that previous oppressor oppressed quote. The Civil Rights Act wasn't signed until after his death and after the uprisings that occurred because of his death. Yeah. Then it was signed. Yeah. Well, there was the Civil Rights Act of 64 and then the Voting Rights Act. Voting Rights but Act then the voting. Fine. Right. But then there was. a. But Johnson signed. What did Johnson sign in 68? Yeah, there was. I think you're right. There was something that came after. I'll look it up while you guys talk. It's terrible. I don't know that offhand. I, I, ditto. Ditto. Uh, so you're saying adult in broke MLK a little bit? <laughs> I'm saying the realities, you know, the optimism yeah. that comes with. Um, yeah. No, the Civil Rights Act was signed in 1968. Mm. Yeah. Um, so. So. Which was a follow up. To the Civil Rights Act of 1974. 64. So 60, 64. Or 64, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. 68 okay, okay. included fair housing and discrimination. Like fair. And so 68 went a lot farther. Yeah, got point. it. The 64 one is the one I always think of because it came on the heels of the March on Washington, et cetera. But 64 one was, it did some, but it was a little bit of lip service, right? Like it was this like, oh, that's what we were fighting for. Three years later, not much has changed, right? So now we have the right to vote, but now we have the slew of people stopping us from voting. And so yes. he's he's watching the reality of that, right? As well. Yeah. Yes. So so I think I think that uh what was that? Oh. In the chat, so, the Civil Rights Act of 64 prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. Yeah, there was a lot um, more to go beyond that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clearly. Seriously. 
Um, well, and again, well, the question there was also of the how re- do you enforce that? Exactly. No, the, the, yes, it, it needed teeth. It needed of it. pillars. The, the, yeah. the enforcement of it. But but this is, to Shannon's point, this is the reality of trying to shift culture. Cultural right. shift is, I mean, that's a that's an immense boat to move. Um, and it's not and it's not turning in a hurry. And right. to the point of our previous discussions, there's a lot of people invested in that ship not changing course. Exactly. Not realizing that the ship changing course is going to better us all. Right. right? We can't, we can't, we because because the the privileged have that zero-sum game mentality, they can't imagine how um systems that benefit us all will benefit them too even though that's the whole point of it it benefits us all um so and and again the 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 wealth the capital the everything that's been gained up to this point has been gained on on the on the premise of we will we will basically extract labor from from others and mm-hmm. and and they will have less and we will have we will have more and and, and until there is a wholesale realization that this damages everyone, right? But instead, yeah. we we have this mythos of the American dream, as I like to call it, the American gaslight, which says we we can all achieve what the privileged few can, which we can't. If we could, we probably would have by now. We would have by now, right? <laughs> right, but. But but we don't. But as long as some, especially the ones who are making, you know, the the decisions around laws and policies are are making gains, um, as long and as long as the billionaires are funding them to keep the laws, so the billionaires keep getting more. Then, yeah, culture, cult, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge task to shift culture. So this is why then this is why the narrative around finding finding contentment and happiness aside from the usual capitalist benchmarks is such a dangerous proposition because it it is essentially taking more profit out of the pockets of those who are invested in keeping it in place mm. and everything is all right all right as everything is usually going okay until you fuck with somebody's money then no doubt then I'm we telling have you problems, that's it right right so 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 that's the thing. So no, I I understand his lack of 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 optimism as the reality is it. I to Shannon's point, as as he got older and the realities of life, I mean shooting Mother Teresa went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that that sort of like, oh, the more work I'm doing, the more th- harder the harder things are getting. And it appears right. like, you know. Even though four steps forward, three steps back is still progress, it is agonizingly slow. Exactly. And I don't, and I'm getting tired. <laughs> so well, that's the whole and thing again, too. The 64 Act, yes, was hard to pass, but was a you can't discriminate everyone. So like Jim Crow went away, which it wasn't right. nothing from the law, but then right. states started getting, you know, passing their own laws and doing that kind of thing. And like they do, and voters yeah. started, you know, struggling with, um, there were droves of, right. We know all about the voting, you know, issues that were going on that, yep. still, and go then, on. that still go on. And then now, I mean, this in 68, it, it explicitly addressed housing. Right. right. Um, and that, and again, but you, you know, but you were supposed to have a law that did this, right? But 
and it's and it and it still happens. They, like I think it was in in L.A. They just re, the Justice Department recently just called out another bank for for discriminatory practices, and they had to mm-hmm. set up like a couple hundred million dollars in the fund specifically for black and brown folks to 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 get money it to is. buy a house. Like well, it's still even, still happening. I mean, not even that. I mean, Baltimore, which is a a city. The city is what 60, almost 70% black. Mm-hmm. And regularly are there reports of families who are selling homes who get an assessment made of their house and they have all their pictures up and oh, yeah. one number comes in. And then a second, which by the way, house assessors are independent people. You don't pick them to come in, right. like someone assigns you to them. And they say, we'd like another appraisal. And they take down all their photos of their, you know, showing who they are. And, oh, suddenly $100,000 is added to their house. Yeah. Like this is regular in Baltimore, you know, kind of deal. So it's not like. (laughs) Yes. And in the last 10 years, the Supreme Court has basically gutted the Voting Rights Act of 65. So now we see all these new restrictions being passed by states to make it harder for people of color in particular to vote, which is. Yep. So it's a, I mean, you know, it's, it's a multi-pronged approach. Yes. Yes. We make, we do the work to change the laws, but then we mm-hmm. also have to do the work to shift the minds. So shifting the laws don't shift the minds. If anything, sometimes shifting the laws makes a minds more entrenched. So, right. so yeah. we, we, we have to shift the minds at, at the ground level. And I think, and I think what happens the one of the, I wouldn't say quickest or easiest, but one of the most surefire ways to do that is again, when when we when we know somebody in the group that we don't like, when they become family with us, right? So every everyone's up in arms about same-sex marriage until they realize, oh, look, my nephew is gay, my niece is gay, and I yep. met their mm-hmm. partner and they're lovely. And, and they're love lovely them. and they're such a good relationship. Yeah. And- Why shouldn't they get married? Right. Yeah. So that 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 sort of that sort of thing. Can't believe I'm gonna say this, but yeah. Oh, look, I got a black friend. What's wrong with you know, that's that's a whole different story. Um no, but- I'm it is part of my mission to well, in my corner of the world, I, um, this is a horrible joke, I shouldn't say it, but I'm redistributing white wealth into a multiracial family. So, you know, that's one there way you to go. participate. Doing, doing your part. <laughs> I'm doing do, my part. Doing do, doing your part. But yes, but that's so 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 that's why it's important, I think, to to encourage, and and perhaps perhaps it brings full circle. This is where the acts of service comes in on a day like the National Service Day, because when you are standing beside someone who looks different than you, and you are both working towards the same compassionate act of service, then you realize that yeah, I I got I'm I'm here. Here's a place of common ground we can connect. So so there is there is a lot of benefit uh, to that. And again, it's not just what it's all about. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning into Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre and post show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash PT Live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Our top cities this week are Omeo, Omayo, Cleveland, Ohio, Louisville Timonium, which is my town. That's Derek. That's just Derek playing podcast. <laughs> That's just Derek listening to it. Exactly. Because um, I'm not. And <laughs> Bryson City, North Carolina. 
You can watch the video of these conversations on Facebook Live. And if you'd like to start a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at pubtheology.com. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. So can I share a post-show, like a thing I'm struggling with? Hit it.